You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of time plus 1% of money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and money back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Ewing, uh, and this is episode 13. Uh, Today on the podcast, I am joined by co-founder of Argali, Brad Brooks. Um, Now, many of you are familiar with Argali, I'm sure, um, but it was was a really cool conversation that Brad and I got to have. Um, We got to uh, dive into, you know, how Brad was introduced to the outdoors, uh, how Argali first came to be, and, you know, really what conservation means to, to Brad and to the company. Um, Brad and I get into a little bit uh, of a gear conversation when we start talking about some of the products that Argali offers um, and a lot of the thought that went into it, um, as well as some cool stuff that Argali has um, coming out in the near future. Um, Brad is just, he's one of those guys who, you know, he spends a lot of time in the back country. So a lot of the gear that you're seeing presented, uh, or sold by Argali on their website, uh, were all Brad, uh, Brad's ideas. And the, the point behind a lot of that gear was to be simple and to have multiple uses. So it's, uh, it's really cool to see, um, you know, kind of how things have transformed from an original kind of film that Argali had put out to, to where they're at now and and really what they have kind of coming um, in the future. So 
Uh, again, really fun conversation with Brad. He's a great guy, and I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode. All right. Joining me on the podcast today, I have the owner of 2% Certified Company, Argali, Brad Brooks. Brad, how's it going this morning? Pretty good, man. Um, it's it's hot in Boise where I live right now, but I'm getting ready to go mule deer hunting tomorrow. So uh, it's a good day when uh, you're getting ready to go mule deer hunting. Yeah, being on the eve of uh, of a hunt is always uh, exciting, especially when it's you know likely the first hunt of the year and get to kind of work the kinks out or try a new system that you have going. So yeah, that's always exciting. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad that we could make some time. I know we were exchanging some emails prior to uh, setting everything up and you, uh, like you said, you're, you're starting to go hunting. And I know a lot of uh, people out in the Western states there, uh, as we kind of inch closer to the end of August and into September there, that people's schedules get really busy. So I'm glad we were able to make some time. Yeah, man, this year and this year in particular for me, it's been a uh, particular early season. So typically my, my season doesn't start till like mid to later August. But this year, just with the way things worked out, it's basically I'll be gone for most of August um, starting tomorrow. So, yeah, glad to glad we could find some time to chat here. Yes, yeah. I'm sure. We'll, yeah, be fun. So now tell me now you, you said you're in Boise. Now, are you born and raised in Boise there? Uh, I wasn't born here, but was definitely raised here from a young age. Um, so little known secret about me. Um, and this is something that, uh, uh, is like really like uncouth to say as an at home, but uh, I was actually, I'm, I'm from California originally. <laughs> um, I was born in Southern California and, uh, but my dad is, my dad is from the Midwest and, uh, he, we lived, we lived up in like rural California. I think most people think of California as just like nothing but cities, but we lived up in the Hills and, uh, but he, he really wanted to get us out of California. So even at a young age, I mean, when I was really young, I mean, we had access at our back door to even in California to a lake that we lived by as well as just like lots of um, lots of open country. And so my brother and I, uh, even as young kids in California, um, we could ride our bikes to a lake and that, that lake had like large strain, uh, or Florida strain, uh, large mouth bass oh, wow. and like ready sunfish. And like, so we would just, we had, we were super spoiled. We would catch these monster bass as little kids. Um, we would sometimes take like treble hooks and like snag shad and just like live bait. <laughs> um, and then, you know, then we take our BB guns down to the river bottom and uh, just, you know, spend all day like just like shooting our BB guns. It was kind of like uh, like in hindsight, I feel like we were kind of left to do whatever we wanted um, in a way that's great. But in a way that like I don't know if I would let my kids do the same thing. Um, <laughs> but and then, yeah, and then we moved to Idaho when I was uh, let's see eight years old. Um and, uh, yeah, I just haven't, uh, haven't, nobody's been able to drag me out of here yet. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a good place to be. So with the outdoors and, and you said you and your brother were kind of spoiled there and having everything right out your back door. I mean, were, was your dad or your grandpa or your, your mother, were they all big into the outdoors as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> my dad is like your classic, like Midwest whitetail guy. Um, and you're a, you're a Midwest whitetail guy, right? Yeah, so absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. So he grew up, uh, my family is all from Wisconsin. So he grew up in green Bay, 
my family uh, actually homesteaded in Wisconsin uh, way back when. We still had a family place um, in southern Wisconsin. And so, yeah, I mean, for sure, I mean, like hunting and fishing is like literally all we did. Family vacations were like these like road trips uh, sometimes around the West where we would just camp and fish. That's all we did in the summertime. And then hunting wise, we, you know, we kind of did a bit of everything, a lot of bird hunting, um, a lot of waterfowl hunting. Like my dad's huge into waterfowl hunting. So I learned how to uh, call ducks at a very, very early age. And then, uh, you know, big game, of course, but big game was, you know, which is definitely like what I do most of now. It was probably not, uh, it wasn't a huge part of like my hunting as a youth. It was just like part of it, but I'd say we did more bird hunting than anything growing up. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like, um, yeah, your dad and, and my dad were kind of cut from the same mold, right? Being yeah. Midwestern whitetail guys for sure. And I mean, that's, that's what I grew up doing was, was whitetail, but then also, you know, uh, did some waterfowl hunting when I was young, some upland bird hunting when I was young as well. And that's kind of what really kind of ignited the passion for, for being outdoors. And, and like you said, you know, taking like these Western road trips and stuff like that, we would, you know, as late as, well, I was a freshman in college and, uh, was the last time that as a family, we made a trip out there and, uh, we'd go to Southern Colorado a lot, Montana, and just, we'd pull like a fifth wheel camper out there, camp for like, you know, 10 to 14 days and just fish all the local streams and stuff. And it's, it's actually funny. So starting this September, uh, my family were, were renting a motorhome and we're heading West for the month of September just to see the sights and, and, you know, just experience some of the Western life for, uh, for a little bit. Oh man. Are you, uh, are you bringing a bow with you and doing any hunting at all or just a family thing? Yeah. So unfortunately I think it's just going to be a family thing. I mean, believe me, I've been wanting to get out West to chase some, some bigger game than, than a whitetail for a few years now, but if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right, you know, and especially with an out of state tag and the, you know, the, the price tag that comes with that, I want to make sure that if I'm going to drop 500 bucks on a tag or something, I can actually devote my time to it and not just, you know, get out for, you know, two or three days and leave the family behind. So. Yeah, no, I get it, man. I've got, like I said, I got two young girls, so it's a whole new ball game, man. I get it. Yeah. So now, Brad, you're the, the owner and the founder of Argali, and I'm sure a lot of our, our listeners are familiar with that, but for those that aren't, tell us about Argali. Yeah, um, so yeah, I am, uh, I said there's, there's two of us who founded Argali, so I have a business partner uh, named Jason Kaufman, um, who is our, our mostly, he's, he's the one, that, he's usually behind the camera on a lot mm -hmm. of content. Um, we like to keep him locked up in the closet as much as we can. <laughs> um, but um yeah, so Argali, we actually, we started out, we were uh, a filmmaking company and, you know, we had a, a, a fairly, what I think is a fairly mundane origin story, but it really centers around conservation. Um, we, Jason and I were literally at a bar complaining about, uh, you know, various things as people do. And one of the things that we sort of, we were talking about is like, you know, it'd be, I hadn't seen at that point in time, like a lot of hunting media that had focused on the value and importance of place hunting mm -hmm. and why in particular for both of us, like wild places were so important, uh, for, to who we were and what we valued about hunting. And so we wanted to make, uh, some content or act. It was actually that, at that point in time, it was just a film. 
that was really um, not about us as 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 like you know um, trying to say this in a really polite way, but it wasn't about um, our egos so much as it was about telling the story of a place and relationships and why wild places are important to hunting. And so we made that uh, made that film. Um, there was no plan after that, man. It was like that film was there was no business there was that was nothing. the plan was like, just make a film had, it was it was very simple um we wanted to make a film with a message that was it after we made that um we had interest from some of the companies we worked with in doing more um so we decided you know it's like oh well maybe we should you know we should do like one more right. um but again there was no business here it was just simply uh we call it like a passion project with a mission Okay. Um, we made another film um, that got pretty positive attention, and after that, we started getting you know a lot of questions about gear. And I think part of the reason why is I I don't I don't put us into this bucket, but a lot of people put us in like the aspirational adventure hunt category. So they look at what we do and they sort of look at it as like the adventure you know aspirational hunt. Um, it's just what we've always done. So I don't, I, don't, I consider it fairly approachable mm-hmm. for most people. Um, but I think because of that, people, you know, were asking us a lot of questions about like, why this pack, why those boots? And so from that, um, we decided that we should start, you know, an online retail store that was a curated experience for backcountry hunters to try and sort through, help, help people sort through, um, the marketing and branding of products from what actually works. So based on our experience in the field, like what do we, what would we recommend to people mm-hmm. to use? So, so we opened up a store carrying products that we have um, not, you know, only carrying things that we use and would recommend not carrying anything uh, that we hadn't physically used a bunch and, and knew sort of the pros and cons of personally um, that did pretty well. Um, that led to, uh, also me at some point realizing that I wanted to, you know, design and make some of our own products. So we started making, um, uh, game bags and I designed one knife. Um, and they both have sort of a story and they're really the, the idea with though, the game bags, which is, you know, a simple product, but it's a product that I always felt like it could be done. It was sort of a, um, an afterthought. It seemed like, like nobody had really put much thought into like sort of like all the details that go into a high quality lightweight compact game bag um and so we we built that and it just kind of took off and at some point you know we realized i i just didn't want to do the retail game anymore and just i wanted to you know i enjoy the you know the process for designing developing and making product and so i wanted to just like hone in on that and focus on it so um, around uh, January 1st of this year, 2020, um, we nixed the uh, retail business and we just make and sell our own products, focus on content. Um, and that's really where we're at right now. Um, we've got a bunch of new products at various stages of development um, that hopefully I'll be able to talk about here soon. But so that's kind of the, that's kind of the um, idea uh, behind Argali. Um, one last thing I'll say is like, you know, we, we started with a mission to promote the value of and connection to wild places. Mm-hmm. And I, we still, I think about that. That is my North star as a, as a business owner, like every day, whether it's content or product. 
So I think about, you know, we, we have a film series called The Last Wild Places, uh, which we can talk about more. That's really about wild country and why that matters in different landscapes. Um, and I think about the products that we make in terms of helping people who want to get out and enjoy wild places, making that a more enjoyable process. And that means, you know, having super functional, really light gear, it just makes it more enjoyable um, to be out in the back country. So. Yeah, so that's that's interesting that how things kind of evolved from yeah wanting to to make a film to highlight some some certain aspects of the outdoors and the wild places to to where you're at now with the the game bags and you said that you had designed a knife too. I mean, I'm I'm pretty familiar with your products. I mean, was I mean, did you just see the need for like a, a well a lightweight, well built game bag, and that's kind of what led you down that path? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the ideas I have for product come from time in the field. I mean, I, I am fortunate. I have always spent a lot of time hunting throughout the year. Um, uh, I don't even know how many days that adds up to throughout the year, but I mean, and I think as a pro as a byproduct of just being out there and doing the, the, and doing the thing right of hunting, yeah, you end up like, just like thinking about it, right? If you're paying attention for me anyway, it's like, why is this product this way? Why has nobody ever, for us, it was like, why has nobody ever made a game bag that uh, is made with a high quality paracord? Simple thing, right? Right. But I'm a, I, you know, I, I'm a person who thinks that like most, ideally, you know, if, if a product has multiple functions, um, that's, that's great, right? Because you can do more than one thing with it. I'm like, you know, if we can use a high quality paracord, because I broke a bootlace one time on a trip, didn't have any paracord to fix it. So I'm like trying to like jerry rig my bootlace, you know, not having a bootlace is a fairly significant issue. It, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Right. But yeah, that can really hamper your entire hunt. Yeah. It, especially if, yeah, if you're backpacking, it's like, I forgot my paracord. It's like, well, you know, uh, so the reason that we have our game bags, that paracord is like, you can fix a bootlace with it. I can fix my D loop on my bow. I can fix my limb driven rest. Like all those like little things that if you forget paracords, like you've got some backup. Right. Um, and it's like, you could hang your, why can't, you know, it's like without high tensile strength paracord, it's like, you can't hang your game bags. You have to like bring extra paracord just to hang your game bag, which is seems silly to me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so anyways, just like little things like that where, you know, as I'm out like, you know, hunting, uh, Either I'm thinking about new products, um, got some new stuff that I don't think has been, that hasn't been done before in the works, or like how to make something different and uh, with features that I've always wanted. And that was kind of the, that was definitely the inspiration for the game bags. Now on to the next item that you guys carry. And this is one that, that has caught my eye for sure. And that's your, your lightweight knife. I mean, to design and build a knife seems like it, it'd be pretty difficult. I mean, there's so many you know, knife manufacturers that are out there and the approach, you know, one of the approaches that I like that you took was you kept it very simple. Um, I mean, you're not trying, you may be in the future, but right now, I mean, you just have one knife that looks like it's kind of a, a do it all knife, whether you're a Midwestern guy, you're, you know, a Western guy, you know, whatever your, whatever game you're chasing, this seems to be kind of like the knife that, that you would want to carry. Yeah. Um, I, uh, for better or for worse, I've always been, uh, super stubborn and meticulous. Um, and that, which helps when you, when you own a gear company, 
um, but creates other challenges in life. Um, but so when it comes to knives, again, like I've owned some great knives. Um, there are some phenomenal knife companies. I, I still have a you know whole arsenal of knives. But when it came to like lightweight knives, uh, I didn't feel like there was a, there was a design or company out there who understood what I was doing very well, like mm -hmm. not just me personally, but like the culture of, of backcountry hunting. And so I felt like it's like there are some phenomenal products out there, but when most companies made lightweight knives, what they did is they took the handles off. So they just made a skeletonized knife and skeletonized knives don't, no doubt they have their place. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll announce today, <laughs> tell you right now, I have a skeletonized knife that we're going to be coming out with here uh, in the next in two months, nice. um, but uh, with an with an optional handle. But in the lightweight world, uh, I didn't feel like anybody really had like a super light knife that had the feel of a full handled blade mm -hmm. with the functionality that's kind of designed to be a jack of all trades instead of like a you know a skinning knife or a caping knife. Like there are these very specific purposes that are that a knife was built for. Um, at the time when I designed this, I had I had been a replaceable blade user, knife user for a long time. I'd gotten away from fixed blade knives, um, and uh, for practical reasons, like most people, right? It's like I can carry a handful of blades with me, and I will always have a sharp knife with me. Right. There's a couple reasons I wanted to get away from replaceable blades. Uh, first, there was a, safety was a big reason. So I, I hunt alone. Um, oftentimes very far away from the trailhead. I had some friends who had some very serious issues where they like cut themselves with, um, stabbed themselves after slipping. Uh, a friend of mine almost like bled out in the back country. Like wow. it was like a life threatening situation. Um, those, those replaceable blade knives, there's not really any forgiveness with them. Uh, I've also broken off a couple of blades inside animals, which is terrifying when you have, like when you can't see where that razor blade is inside the animal. Right. Um, and then, you know, just like replacing the blades on them can be a nightmare. Um, usually I have to like carry a pair of pliers just to replace the blades safely. And at that point, I'm like, why am I, I'm not saving any weight here by carrying like an extra tool right. just to replace the blades. So for me, the design inspiration for a fixed blade was, um, actually, sorry, there's one more reason I want to get away from fixed blades. And that is that um, I have started to find the razor blades like all over the place. Okay. Um, when you when you think about the millions and millions of blades every year that are being produced for replaceable blade knives, I don't know what percentage of those end up being disposed of properly, but I know a lot of people either forget them uh, unintentionally or intentionally just push them into the dirt. Um, it's just, it, and it kind of bums me out that we're just leaving knives all over the damn place on public lands. Right. Um, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to, you know, be a part of contributing to that, that cultural phenomenon. So, um, I wanted to, so that was, so the, the idea was like, okay, if I'm going to get away from replaceable blade knives, I've got to be able to create a knife that I can carry in my pack, not have to carry a knife sharpener, know it'll cut up an entire elk, um, be super light. Uh, simple, functional, practical um, uh, out in the field. And so our carbon knife was sort of the, everything about it, the shape, the design, the weight was very purpose built to be a jack of all trades, as you put it, knife. Um, so everything about it is very intentional, intentionally built 
the, the high quality steel, et cetera. And it does that too. So it, it, it performs very well. And the feedback we've gotten has been really phenomenal on it. Um, so anyways, that was, that was the design idea for that first knife. And, um, we've got a couple more coming out, like I mentioned, um, that are slightly different, uh, built for slightly different purposes, but okay. will still be, you know, uh, one trick pony knives. So knives that can do everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, that really kind of drew me to that knife. I mean, like we talked about, I mean, there's a, a bunch of different knife manufacturers out there and, and some of them, you know, are just, the price tag is just, you know, outrageous for when, when you think about a knife, but at the same time, like a knife is, is critical when you're in the back country, especially if you get an animal down, you mean, you got to make sure that your knife is, is accessible, that it's sharp, that it can, like you said, you know, um, you know, break down an entire elk, um, without losing its, uh, without losing its edge. And just, I mean, just the aesthetics of, of the knife that you designed. I mean, it's, it's a very sharp knife. I, I really like the looks of that. Yeah. Thanks, man. The other thing too, it's kind of a funny thing, but you know, if I think back of all the fixed blade knives that I have, like I have an, uh, uh, an emotional connection to those knives, right? <laughs> I can remember, I still have my first buck knife that my grandfather gave me. It's like a super cliche story, but it's my grandfather literally gave me a buck knife and nobody has nostalgic attachment to a replaceable blade knife. It's a throwaway yeah. product. Yeah. You know, um, there's no romance in a replaceable blade knife. <laughs> and just, there's something about like the craftsmanship and heirloom quality of a good fixed blade knife that'll last your entire life that you can pass down to your kids that you just can't, you can't get that same feeling with a replaceable blade product. Um, so, and it's just funny. It's like when I think, when, when I mention this, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about this. I still have yet to find anybody who's like holds a replaceable blade knife and just has fond memories of it. It's just, it, it, it exists to do a function and that's it. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that, and I'd never really thought about it that way in, in terms of kind of having an emotional connection to it. But um, like I said, I mean, I grew up hunting with my dad, and my dad had has has passed away about ten years ago now. And I was going through my gear, you know, maybe a month ago or so. And there's, you know, I have my my pack that I carry with me every time I, I get into the tree stand, and then I just have bins and bins of you know other gear, like any hunter does, right? Stuff that for whatever reason, you don't, you haven't used it in years, but you just, you're not going to get rid of it. And I was going through one of his old packs and sure enough was a buck knife of his that he had given me that I'll never get rid of. Right. I mean, it's still, it's got some rust around the handle. It's a little, it's a fixed blade knife that, I mean, I think it's got to be 30 years old, right. But it'll, I'll never get rid of it. Even if I never use it, I'll never get rid of it. Right. And, and like you said, the romance behind, behind the knife and, and kind of the, the nostalgia that comes with it. Yeah. It's, that's something I haven't thought about, but you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, I mean, the other thing too, is like, it's, it's like, uh, you know, we, we also, you know, I built this thing for, um, lightweight, you know, backcountry hunters, but, um, you know, whitetail guys in particular, which I, I very much describe myself as like a Western hunter, primarily, uh, although I do enjoy hunting whitetails. Uh, but some of my East Coast, Midwest uh, uh, friends that um, that hunt a lot of whitetails have also, yeah, you know, like a like the knife as well. Um, I think anybody that hunts likes a sharp knife that holds yeah. an edge, right? Yeah. Um, who doesn't, right? Sharp knives that stay sharp sounds great. Yeah. Sign up for that. <laughs> so. so, 
as I mentioned when we first kind of started off, uh, Argali is a, is a 2% certified company. Um, so kind of explain to me a little bit about how you guys made the decision to, to become 2% certified and some of the companies that you guys are donating your time and money back to. Yeah. Oh man, it was an easy, easy conversation decision. Um, I mean, again, so we started, like I mentioned earlier, we started with a very clear mission around, uh, conservation protection, wild places. Um, we have been donating time and money to conservation causes well before we became a member. I felt like becoming a 2% member, was just like checking a box for us, um, and filling out the paperwork. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a part of, it's a part of who we are. Um, and it's a part of, it is the one of the key reasons why we exist. It's, it is, you know, my North star when I think about weighing decisions about what to do. Um, in terms of like things we support and groups we support. So, um, I am a, I'm a wilderness guy. I'm a wilderness lover. Um, always have been, always will be. Um, wilderness is an important part of like who I am. It's helped shape me as a person. And if you watch any of your, our content, you'll, um, you'll see that. Right. Um, and so we, we have supported, you know, various concert public lands conservation groups. So Idaho wildlife federation is one, um, it just so happens my, my youngest brother now runs that group, but they're okay. a sportsman group here in Idaho that, that does a lot to protect, um, to protect sportsmen's interest as well as uh, public lands conservation. Um, we've been a long time supporter of BHA. Um, we've, we've given, you know, we've supported, uh, mule deer groups that are, that are working to protect mule deer habitat. So I'm a mule deer junkie, um, love mule deer. Mule deer are having, um, it's, they're in a precarious, you know, position across the country right now for a lot of various reasons. Um, but anything I can do to protect, to support groups that are protecting mule deer, um, is, is important. So like Muley Fanatic Foundation, um, is a group out of uh, Wyoming that I really appreciate and have a lot of respect for doing a lot of great work there. Um, gosh, who else have we supported? Um, uh, Wild Sheep Foundation. Yeah. I don't know. The list goes on, man. Yeah. I, I honestly can't keep track. <laughs> We've given money and product or, uh, or volunteered for. Yeah. And that's, and that's great. And, and that's the thing too, is there's so many amazing organizations out there that you can, you know, donate your time or money to. And, and you know, sometimes I wonder if it, it feels like you almost aren't doing enough. Right. Because there's so many organizations and, you know, you only have so much time and so much money that you can give back while still, you know, keeping things kind of status quo with the business and, you know, with your personal time and things like that. So it's a it's a really cool thing to see when when a company, you know, like Argali puts such an emphasis on giving back and making sure that, like you said, the wild places stay our wild places. Yeah. Yeah. And we've done also, I mean, we've done things like, you know, we've done like PSA videos for um, different groups. I did, uh, we partnered with the, uh, actually the uh, Bitterroot National, not the Bitterroot National Forest, the uh, Bridger Teton Forest in Wyoming a couple years ago to do like a PSA on backcountry ethics. So mm -hmm. we, we, we made a video for them that was like, a, you know, they were having issues with like backcountry, you know, camp, especially essentially hunters backpack uh hunting and not like you know using leave no trace ethics for camping and so we worked with them they were talking to us about it and asked if we would do like a little video on like some leave no trace 
So we've done some like videos um, with and for other brands. I just did an we just did a, uh, a video with Vortex and RMEF about elk hunting. Um, so it kind of runs the gamut, man. We try and uh, help people however we can. Um, sometimes that looks like us supporting, you know, some, doing simple things like, you know, using our platform on social media or YouTube to support a group or a cause. Um, so, or, you know, anyway, so it kind of runs the gamut on how, on what that looks like. And we get approached, I think because we're, um, fairly outspoken on conservation issues, we do get approached by, uh, people in the conservation world about helping to tell, you know, stories about, you know, certain issues or places, which is great. I love, um, and sometimes we can't always do everything we want to, right. but it's, a, you know, do, we do everything we can to help, um, uh, help promote, you know, sort of the values of conservation, particularly related to like wildlife, um, like huntable wildlife and conservation of wildlife species. Yeah. And that was kind of, Along the same lines there, one of the things on your website that I noticed that I really liked was the um, the field notes section that you guys have on there, which going back to what you were talking about with the, the game bags and, and having the um, the paracord that's, you know, you can use that paracord to fix a D-loop, uh, limb-driven rest, you know, a bootlace, whatever you, uh, you know, kind of whatever you have a need for. So is that something that was kind of originally has that, has that always been on the website is that something you guys want to continue to do yeah yeah so our you're, so yeah for those who aren't familiar with it on our website in addition to the products we have a, a section of our website called field nodes which is essentially just content that's really geared towards um what i would consider to be things we we questions we get asked by our audience or topics that are sort of relevant for audience and that that those articles run the gamut from um you know how to pick a backpacking stove to how to fix your you know how to how to broadhead tune your bow it really is a lot of like what i consider to be um uh rel- I, we try and make it relevant content for our our customer base it has always been a part of what we've done the the field notes section specifically because i i felt like um, it's, it's especially again, as a, uh, for newer hunters, um, who are interested in getting into backpack hunting or, or just backcountry hunting, even if it's like day hunting, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of misinformation out there on the internet. It's not all, not all information is created equally as we all know yeah. on, online. So what we really wanted to do was create a, a set of content that people could trust was honest and candid and helpful and, and useful. Um, so that is really what our field notes section is about. We think a lot about like, what are the things? So I, I, we pay attention to like, what questions do people ask us? Is it gear specific? Is it hunting specific? Um, you know, and we, you know, it could be anything from like, how do you know, I've been, I'm from the Midwest or the East. I want to go hunting elk in the West, but I have no idea where to start. Like that's, a, that's for a lot of people, that's like a big, yeah. you know, that might impede their desire to even go, go hunting. To me, um, the more people that are out enjoying wild places that are out enjoying hunting, that's, that promotes the longevity of our industry. That's good for my business. Um, that's good for our, our, the future of conservation. 
that's good for everybody. Right. So if we can provide content that helps inspire people to get out and, and do what they want to do already, and we're able to be a small part of helping them figure that out, that's what we're trying to do through the field notes. Yeah, and, and one of the things I really liked about it too was while you guys, Argali as a whole, is is a bit more focused on, on Western hunting, um, there's a lot of tips and, and things like that in there that apply to all hunters, East, Midwest, Western, you know, uh, I was looking on there uh, last night and, you know, help uh, bear shaft tuning your bow, um, like, like I said, fixing the D-loop. I mean, these are all things that can happen to, to anyone no matter, no matter where you're hunting. So there's a, a lot of really relevant information regardless of, of where you're hunting, which is, you know, it's something that you don't always find with companies um, that, you know, they, they can tend to get a little bit specific uh, in terms of the animal or the style of hunting um, you know, that, that the company is promoting, but to be able to kind of encompass all hunters, uh, is, is a really cool thing to see. And it's, it's a great resource and a great tool that, that if people haven't, they should definitely look into. Yeah. And well, I will say this too. Yeah, we are a Western, uh, Western focused, uh, company, but my buddy, Eric, who lives out here is, uh, he's from Pennsylvania, big whitetail guy. And he has a couple very good articles on gig- hunting gigantic western white uh, western whitetail bucks that like any whitetail person should really look into because little known I don't, I don't know if it's a little known because I'm not really in the whitetail world but <laughs> there is phenomenal whitetail hunting in the west phenomenal um, and uh, I'm surprised it's not more popular than it is because you know like living in Idaho like no not a lot of people really care about whitetails out here everybody yeah. wants to hunt you um, same thing in, in, you know, Montana, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, or in, in other, you know, Washington. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity for whitetail guys. So my buddy Eric has written, I think, one or two pieces for us on hunting uh, western whitetails. It's pretty relevant for the whitetail crowd. Yeah, and I'd imagine the the reason a lot of those western states get overlooked for whitetail is is one is the influx of hunters that you guys are getting from the east and the midwest. And, you know, they... I would be one of those, you know, I just kind of take for granted that I can, you know, I've got whitetail here. I don't need to go out West to hunt oh, whitetail. And I mean, now in Michigan, you know, we have elk, but to get a, an elk tag is, I mean, you can apply your whole life and, and never get a tag and it's a, a once in a lifetime tag. So once you get it, you're done. But I've, you know, I've, I've, I've followed some other uh, podcasts and stuff like that, that are kind of whitetail driven. Uh, like like Wired to Hunt, Mark Kenny and I know every year he goes out west and, and he's a big whitetail guy and he chases whitetail out there and just kind of rants and raves about how under uh, underutilized or underappreciated the whitetail world is when you know in the western states where everyone's focusing on muleys and elk and stuff like that. Oh yeah, very under undervalued, but yeah. Anyways, but yeah, we try and make content that's sort of relevant to everybody, and you know we have. You know, our customer base is all over the all over the world, but the East and Midwest is is a big customer base for us. So it's not just it's not just guys that are like in the West hunting mm-hmm. the West. It's people from all over the place. So I try and we, we think I'm conscious of that when we think about our the content we're trying to create. And and I'm constantly welcoming ideas too. You know, I want to hear what people wanna, you know, want us to like research or or write about. Um, or create content about so yeah and i know you've got uh, i think you you partner with some guys here in michigan the uh the boga hunting guys 
um, at there. Yeah. And as far as the whitetail goes, I mean, yeah, those guys they know their stuff, and they're they're always putting out some great content for for white, you know, not just whitetail, but just the hunting industry in general. So that's uh, it's, it's cool to see you partnering with you know some some companies here, some some groups and guys here in the Midwest as well. Yep, try. Yeah. So now from a kind of a, a 30,000 foot view with Argali, I mean, you kind of touched on it earlier, but without divulging too much or, or wanting to kind of spill the beans, I mean, what are some things that people can look forward to coming out of Argali in, you know, the next one, three, five years? Oh man, I would, yeah, I wish I could tell you everything we got, we got <laughs> cooking. Uh, we got lots of irons in the fire, man. Um, so, um, the nature of product development on the product side, let me just talk about that for a second. I mean, the nature of product development for me, it's a slow process, um, uh, slower than I'd like anyway, just because the, you know, taking a technical product from idea to, uh, finished manufacturing product can take a while, particularly when you're anal like I am about getting, getting it really right. Yeah. So, you know, we'll make something, test it. I don't, if I don't like it, you know, we'll go back to the drawing board. Um, it just takes a while. But, um, that said, I, um, I'm very comfortable telling people that, yes, like I mentioned already, we've got, we have, we have uh, some more knives coming out. So we're going to flush out our knife line a little bit. Um, I do have, um, we've been getting a ton of requests for it. And finally, we're finally, going to be uh, producing a, uh, a moose specific kit, particularly for like Alaska Yukon moose um, to kind of round out our game bag line. Um, and then I think, you know, when it comes to like lightweight gear and equipment, um, we've got a, yeah, a lot of stuff in the works. Um, and uh, I probably can't say really anything other than like, you know, uh, we'll have some really cool, exciting stuff around for 2021. Okay. Um, and, uh, beyond that, I've, you know, some of these might be 2022 or 2023 products that we got in the work, we have in the works right now, but I think people will really be you know, interested in what we have to come out. Cause it's there again, everything we're designing is based on sort of design principles of simplicity and functionality overall else. And, products that are really designed from our experiences in the field. So in using other stuff or ideas for new products that I, I wish existed um, based on, you know, trials and tribulations that I've had. Well, I think you're, you're definitely taking the right approach um, with making sure that it's the right product. You're not just rushing something to market because it's what you want to do or because there's a need. I mean, and, and I think, from from a consumer standpoint and from you know customers that are buying your stuff i mean they want the confidence that you know yourself or, or whomever has kind of put this thing through the paces and it's exactly what you want and it's it's exactly what you know the customer is going to need and it's not going to fail them when they're out in the field and that's that's definitely the right approach and sometimes i think that that maybe companies don't take that necessary time they just they see uh, a, a need that needs to be filled Right. And they just kind of hurry up and yeah. rush something so they can either say that they were the first one to do it or just have something to compete with other people that are doing it. But there's there's definitely something to be said about someone who takes their time, even if they're you know a little bit late to the game in terms of whatever the product is. If it's if it's a quality product, you know, consumers are going to they're going to figure that out really quickly, you know. 
hundred percent, man. I, I'm a firm believer in a good product speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just, you mentioned a couple of things that I just want to riff off of. One is like honesty and integrity. I, you know, I have, um, I think we've, whatever reputation we've built, I hope that there is some integrity and honesty that we built with our, our customers about when we put a product out, it's, you know, we, we believe in it. Um, if I tell you, I think it works, I, you know, I put my money where my mouth is. That's why we have our hundred percent satisfaction guarantee. I tell people, you know, if you use our knife, use it all hunting season, all hunting season, you don't like it. I will give you your money back. And I'm, it's not a, you know, a, a bullshit marketing ploy. Like I genuinely believe in our products to know that like, if you are not happy, I think you will be, but if you're not, I will gladly give you your money back. Um, and as a small company, I can do that. Right. I have the ability. I don't have, you know, we don't have corporate overlords or shareholders to respond to. We have a lot of flexibility to do what we want. And I love that about being a small business um, because we can do things that I think other companies might not be able to. Um, but I, I genuinely believe in that honesty with our customers. And if we put out a product that isn't 100 percent dialed, um, I don't want to put it out. It's not worth my time. And I feel like it's dishonest with our customers. And that's what I'm trying to get away from is um, trying to like mask, you know, products that are only 60% there with some fancy marketing and right. ads and you know, influencer campaigns, like put out a good product, make it not your shirt, something you're proud of uh, that I'm proud of and believe it works and let it speak for itself, period, you know, full stop. Yeah, no, that's that's a great attitude and, and outlook to have on, you know, not only just a business, but just anything in life. I mean, standing 100 percent behind, you know, what you believe in and, and what you're kind of putting out to the masses. And I, I really commend you, commend you guys on that, because that's that's something that I think sometimes more companies need to be aware of. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah, this is kind of our our business ethos. But yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's 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 definitely um, a good guiding light to have when when you're out there, and and I also think that from a credibility standpoint, the fact that when you guys kind of dipped your toe into to making your own products, you didn't come out with you know 25 different products right all at once and just kind of flood the market or, or try to saturate whatever. That you focused on a couple things that you saw a big need for that were like you said simple in design and features but served multiple purposes and, and those are the types of things that especially backcountry hunters like that's what they're looking for right something that can you know serve multiple functions while they're out in the out in the uh out in the woods yeah yeah no it's been and the response has been great i mean it's yeah we're about as busy as i can keep my arms around right now so <laughs> and then i just say the other thing i'd say is what we got cooking too is on the content side, last year we put out our first full season of content on YouTube. Um, if people haven't checked that out, I'd, I'd yeah, suggest you go check it out on our YouTube page. It was kind of a full season of episodic content from all the hunts we have planned. And we're doing the same thing again this year. So um, we'll have a full season of content from uh, the Nevada mule deer hunt. Uh, I'm going on here uh, tomorrow to uh, Alaska um, and then just a number of like deer and elk hunts kind of throughout the year as well. Nice. Well, Real quick, I know we're uh, we're kind of up against a, a, a hard stop here, but tell people where they can, um, you know, the website and then like YouTube or social media where they can can check yeah. out Argali at. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, our website is Argali, A-R-G-A-L-I. I get that question a lot. How do you spell it? 
argalioutdoors.com. Uh, Instagram is, uh, Argali official. And then YouTube is just, uh, at Argali, uh, as well. Um, so yeah, pretty easy to find us. All right. Well, Brett, uh, I really appreciate you taking some time to, to sit down with me today and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing some of the stuff that you guys have coming out in the future. And I wish you the best of luck uh, out in the field this year and be sure to stay safe. Always try to. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. This has been really fun. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right. Well, a big shout out to Brad for taking some time to sit down and talk to me about our golly today. Uh, I'd also like to thank our partners over at Stone Glacier. Be sure to check them out at stoneglacier.com. I'd also like to thank our partners, 2% for Conservation. Uh, If you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And there you can see all the certified brands, including Argali, that are committed to conservation and that you should support when you're shopping for your gear or coffee, uh, guiding services, books, uh, really anything under the sun. Uh, I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where it's going to be um, nothing but very positive conservation-driven content coming out of their feeds. Uh, So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on their social medias or on their website, fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, Stay safe out there, and remember that conservation starts with you.